One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Fantastic. I love hearing the buzz of noise and conversation. Here's the only problem. We are about 50 seconds over our Sabbath school time. So those of you who are here for the Sabbath school panel, find yourselves a seat. Those of you who are still talking, find yourselves an exit or a seat. Exit or seat, I am going to invite us as we begin our program to pray. And as we pray, I will hope that we find the presence of God as we discuss about some practical ways in which you and I can find and define our faith walk. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we want to just thank you for your blessings. We want to thank you for this time, this special program when we get to converse and we get to expound and explore. We get to expound on our concepts of listening to you. And we get to explore what you have to tell us. So today, Father, we would simply pray that you stay with us here and that you continue moving and speaking in and through us. For we pray in your name, amen. We want to welcome all of you to this special panel. And we want to especially welcome those of you who are seeing us at home through any of our virtual platforms, our LLBN family, our friends over there at Loma Linda Broadcasting Network. We have so many friends and so many viewers that come from far and wide, and we just are so thankful. Now, as you can probably tell, we are not in our current studio. We are live. And I'm just remembering why producing a live show with a live audience is sometimes chaotic. But we are here expecting and praying that God's blessing be continued to be felt. Now, I'm very excited because today we get to talk about listening to God. And it's a question that I'm sure all of you at some point have asked yourselves. How do we listen to God? How do we explore this idea that the ancient church fathers used to call discernment? And today we're going to take it from the realm of the ethereal and we're going to actually ground it in practical experience. So we're going to have a panel discussion with four friends, four people that I have come to respect and admire. We've got the lovely Rebecca Murdoch, and Becky is a longtime member of our church. She has been active with several ministries, uh, prayer ministries. She's also very active with our bereavement ministries, and she has a passion for family life and how to bring your family together. One of these things that I found as I was listening to Becky talk about her passion for families was we've lost that notion that worship is something that the whole family participates in. So hopefully we'll be able to hear from a family perspective as Becky moderates how we can listen to God better in the context of our family. Next to Becky, we have Harvey Elder. Harvey is a retired physician. He is also an elder of our church. He is a longtime member of our prayer ministries. If you have called 
our prayer line during the weekends, you will have heard either Harvey or his lovely wife, Grace, lead that prayer walk. And every time Harvey prays for you, something happens. And he prays because his life has such a deep understanding and such a deep experience of who God is and what God is doing. And so he prays for us out of what we like to call the overflow. So Harvey, we're very excited about what you will have to share today. Next to Harvey, we have our friend Brad Rafius. Brad raised four children in this church. He is the proud grandpa of a just the cutest baby that I that I've seen. It's just adorable. And he's also an elder. He's very involved with prayer ministries. He's also involved with Connecting Place and some of our study ministries. And last but not least, we have the lovely Rosie Salcedo. Rosie is a newly coined elder. If you were here for first service and her ordination, you would have seen her. She is also working with, uh, throughout this prayer conference, helping out with the garden of prayer. So Rosie, we are so glad that you are here. And friends, we just are excited about what God is going to say through the lives and the experiences of these lovely people. So friends, the time is yours. We are just going to sit and huddle together as if we were in a living room listening to four friends talk about prayer. Exactly. Thank you so much, Miguel. This is just like we were in a living room. And I am so honored to be with friends. It makes me feel comfortable. And what we're going to do this morning as we learn or on this journey to hearing the call of God, before we are sent, we need to hear, right? So what we're going to do with our friends, and I wish we had an opportunity to open the conversation up to each one that is here and each one in our viewing audience, because as many individuals that are here and in our viewing audience, there's going to be a very unique journey, a very unique call to devotion. And so, but it's just the four of us. We're going to be personal. We are going to share our own individual stories. And then we're going to just make comments with each other, just like we're in a living room. I will begin with Dr. Harvey, and so Harvey, please share with us as a man of prayer and a man of God, what has been your spiritual practice or practices? Thank you for asking, Becky. <clears throat> I was essentially born in church. My folks were very faithful attenders of the Adventist church, and growing up, I knew the doctrines Name the doctrine, I could quote you four or five texts and give you references for another 20. I understood, classic, quote unquote, the prophecies, and I could explain the classical meaning. And I was trying so hard to live a good life and falling, falling, falling. Absolutely certain my chances of heaven were so close to zero as to be impossible. I would pray at night after I went to bed and go to sleep praying and was sure I was showing God disrespect. And this, I would love to tell you, really improved when I went to an Adventist college. It didn't. 
It didn't improve in medical school. It didn't improve until I began to talk with and meet with people who knew Jesus. And I realized I didn't know Jesus. And they begin to teach me to pray to Jesus as a friend. And my prayers were fundamentally, help, I'm falling. And I would feel a hand lift me. And I began to realize I can tell when Jesus talks to me. It's like several years ago with my late wife. She would shop at Nordstrom's in Montclair. And I would sit in the chair by the piano and read a book. And I would look up after a few hours, and here she was walking. How did I know? I knew her footsteps. I knew them well. You'd think after 60 years I should. I did. And it's the same with God. I hear him. I know it's him because he has talked to me. Thank you so much, Harvey, and especially for the personal, very rather vulnerable experience and sharing with us. Much appreciated. By the way, folks, uh, Rosie and Brad, if you have any comments to make about what Harvey has said or any questions, feel free. Otherwise, maybe I'll go ahead, well, Rosie. Well, I'd actually like to kind of echo what you said, Harvey. Um, and I've truly enjoyed your very uh, vulnerable sharing, you know, uh, with your life story and everything you've been through. God does speak just in the lowest of the lows. And uh, there have been times where I have felt utterly too broken to even be worthy to say anything or remember how to pray mm -hmm. except to say help. So when you said help, I just completely clued into that and I remember those moments. And that's good enough for God, isn't it? That's all God needs. He doesn't even need that much. All he, we need is to cry out in our inner soul and God is, hears us. Amen, thank you. Yeah, totally. Uh, may I share a little bit next about what my spiritual sort of experience has been? Um, I'm just going to take time to look at some news. Uh, for me, quiet is important, right? In order to hear, in order to listen, we need quiet. It's so difficult, though, in our lives nowadays to find that quiet. And for each individual, it may be a different time of day. But now that my children are grown and gone and things are less chaotic in my own home, uh, quiet is easier to obtain. And I have just relished morning time. And uh, the quiet that I can enjoy <clears throat> as an introvert, <laughs> I like quiet. That's just how I operate. Um, one thing that has been absolutely life-changing for me has been the 7 a.m. prayer line. Thank you, COVID. The 7 a.m. prayer line has been a lifesaver, and it's brought me, as a night owl, not a morning person, to appreciate morning and the opportunity to meet. And even if I don't have a prayer, the prayers of the others become my prayers. And I've just found it wonderful. 
time in scripture, time listening. So that's what quiet does for us, is it gives us an opportunity to listen. There are a couple of texts <clears throat> that I have found grounding for me. And we, Miguel and I were speaking about texts that ground us. Here are a couple. Psalms 143.8 says, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to the, know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. That's what we're asking God for. Where do you want me to walk? In the morning, I will listen and practice hearing your loving kindness throughout the day. In many different ways, we can hear and experience God's loving kindness. Another text I like is Psalms 90, verse 14. It says, satisfy me early with your mercy. There we go, in the morning early. Then may I practice experiencing your mercy throughout the day. Isaiah 50, verse 46 says, Awaken my ear, morning by morning, awaken my ear to hear as one who is learning, one who is being taught. Lord, you open my ear and forgive me if I rebel and turn away. That is a grounding, some grounding text for me in my practice. And um, there are other things that we can discuss, but I don't want to take all the time. So please, Rosie, will you share with us something about your devotional experience? Well, my prayer life has been rather messy and not beautiful or highly disciplined, but I pray. I pray every day throughout the day. And it fits with who I am out of the box, not always following the rules, inventive, creative, being surprised by God. But in times of the deepest brokenness, where I felt that I have been a prayer warrior and prayers have not been answered, and I know we can all relate to that, deep brokenness, I have found that being still is a little bit different. It's not as disciplined as waking up in the morning at the same time every day and just being still. For me, it's in the chaos of life where I can literally take 30 seconds and I literally hear in my head, be still and know that I am God. Conversations can be happening. I may be on a tour. I may be sitting at a stoplight. And all I do is be still. And through my preparation of being with God and in prayer, it's those moments that God makes available to me a surprise. And I never know what it's going to be. But I do want to share something that was pretty wonderful. I had a prayer warrior that I used to pray with in Northern California. And I was saying, I just am praying so much, but I don't, I'm not getting answers. And we just said, we're going to just be still and see what God has to say. We're in the middle of a restaurant. This is how awesome God is. We're in the middle of a restaurant 
praying together, and a bird decides to fly into this restaurant and land right in front of my fork. That bird cocked its head, and I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to scare it away. But it looked right at my eyes. Our eyes met. Was that God? Absolutely. It's those amazing, beautiful surprises in the depths of our brokenness where we know, I'm here. I've got your back. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be eloquent. But that's the beauty of be still and know that I am God. Thank you so much, Rosie. Yes, and I think several of us may be able to comment on that because one comment I want to make is that it is a different perspective because Rosie said it comes in chaos. And all of us have chaos, of course, in our lives. But um, that's just a different perspective of um, appreciating those moments and uh, thank you so much, Rosie. Harvey, I believe you were going to say something. The, <clears throat> I didn't learn to pray by being mentored. I prayed out of my extremity. As uh, Becky said, I'm a physician, and there's times I'm talking to a patient. And I know there's something there I need to hear, and I don't know how to learn it but I need to know. And I finally learned, God, I need to know, tell me. And either in the silence the patient would say something that opened it up, or a word would come to me. And what happened with those similar experience talking with students, I don't know what to say. I'm silent, but there's there's a brokenness I wanna touch and see healing. And God says something. And it opens it up. I mean, there's times where he gives me a word, and I say, God, that doesn't make any sense. Do you want me to say it? I hear it again, and I say it. And the student has said, that's, impre- that's so amazing. How did you know to say that? It's not me. It's God talking to me. And those experiences have given me a level of confidence. I'll be blatant. There is never an unanswered prayer. It's just, I don't see the answer. Yes. And what God is teaching me is to open my eyes and to recognize him not doing what I asked was the answer to my prayer. I am so glad you said that, Brad. Go ahead and speak. <laughs> well, Harvey was talking about he wasn't mentored in prayer. And I'd I like to share a little testimony here because I think I'm a very lucky guy because my first memories are waving that rainbow who made the beautiful rainbow in Sabbath school. So my very first memories up in Hazleton, British Columbia. You know, my mom was the leader. And then we had family worship every morning. We had family worship every afternoon, uh, evening, to say. And, and that was absolutely more important than breakfast for my mom. I mean, worship came first. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, little friend, primary treasure and all those. But we also prayed. And so yeah, when I was little, I was not scared of the dark. I had a big, shiny angel right behind me that... It's going to look after me. I didn't have to worry about anything. That angel was right there for me. And as I grew up and went through school, and uh, we moved, and uh, we moved, and we moved, and you finally get, we're here in America, and, uh, and it was interesting is that we, 
I could see God's leading in my life, but I did not hear him. I did not hear him speak to me. And it finally came down to the point where I went through college, went to grad school, and I graduated from grad school. And I was looking for two very important things. One of them was the right lady, and the other one was the right job, because that sort of kicks you off after you graduate. And I was praying very hard. I was praying. I, six months I prayed on my knees. It was really, truly no fasting. I will have to admit that. But it was strong prayer. And, uh, and one day, right here in Sabbath school in our chapel, I was standing there, you know, looking for a seat. And this girl walked in front of me. And in my mind, I mean, as clear as a bell, that's the girl for you, Brad. <laughs> I'd never seen her before. Didn't know her name. But all my troubles were over, you know. God had told me. Now, now she didn't know that, so. But that was the first time God really spoke very clearly into my mind. It was not something that I had to guess at. I knew. And it was it's not through my ears. It was in my mind. And that was the beginning of God speaking to me. And, and here was the good news. That girl also had a very good relationship with God. And she also heard him directly. So between the two of us, we have been able to take that and grow. And we can talk more about that. What a testimony. That's wonderful. That is an amazing testimony. It kind of reminds me of the story of little Samuel in the Bible, you know. Um, here's little Samuel, and he hears a voice at least three times, and he runs to high priest Eli. Poor old Eli didn't really know who was calling Samuel yet. Finally, he figured it out after about the fourth time, and Samuel he told Samuel what to say. Samuel went back, heard the voice again, and said, here I am, Lord, send me. And that's kind of what we're talking about. But another thing that I've heard mentioned up here is God speaking to us in our brokenness, in the chaos, in even times of abandonment, where we have exper not experienced the voice of God. Where are you, God? Where are you? Why am I alone? Um, I feel abandoned. Or the answer doesn't come, or maybe the answer does come. And I, I don't want to pick on you, Brad, but you told me a story the other day, and I'm just curious to follow up on it. It's about something that failed, that you had experienced, you believed it was God calling, and something had failed, and what that does to faith where do we go from there um, when it's just not been worked out? Well, sometimes God just doesn't answer your prayers. You wonder, where are you, God? But sometimes God tells you to do something. And just think of Jonah and Nineveh. And uh, Jonah went the other way. But what about happens if you go the direction God tells you to go? And you do exactly what God tells you to do. And just like those men of Judah, when they're going after Benjamin, they inquired of God and said, God, who should go? And God said, Judah. And Judah went to go and take care of that tribe of Benjamin. And guess what happened? They got beat. So they go back to God and say, what did we do wrong? God says, Judah, go again. So they went the second day. And they got beat up again. I mean, lost thousands of men. And it wasn't until the third time that Judah actually took Benjamin. Now, we didn't have any wars. But let me tell you, when we went and followed God's guidance, direct guidance, and we started a little school. And um, we, we felt very led. We had a very dedicated group. And we moved forward on that school. And I tell you, that school did not work out. A very sad story. That school fell apart. It did not work out. 
And to this day, you know, we have to ask God, what were we supposed to learn in that? And I'm telling you, we hope we learned the lesson that God was trying to teach us because we don't want to ever have to go through that again. So, so the, sometimes I think that God does things for us. I mean, you can think of Job. You know, God and Satan were having a you know, discussion about Job, and Job never did find out why all those bad things happened to him. We know because we have the rest of the story. But sometimes I think that even when, and this is where the faith is developed, even when you follow God's leading, what happens when it doesn't work out? Is that God's fault or is it our fault? And, and I don't have the answers, but you know, sometimes we have to wonder why. And we may never get that answer. Um, what about your faith? Well, that develops faith. faith. That, that is the faith. Now, so what happens when God says no? That, that's sort of easy. You know, I think your faith is developed more in the trials when it doesn't happen, then sometimes when God answers your prayers. And that's when true faith is developed. Go ahead, Harvey. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you see, when I asked for something, this is in the older days, I was very specific about notice, what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing in scripture that says what Harvey wants, he should get. I mean, I've looked for it, it's not there. <laughs> And so when I tell God what I want, remember, uh, expectation is preparing for bitterness. I didn't get it, and I wanted to be bitter. What I have learned is God knows much more than I do. Yes. And I didn't get it because it would have ruined me. It would not have worked. It would have hurt other people. I will tell you kind of a pivotal, but in a sense, a funny story. I'd been married to my late wife about 30 years. And our marriage was one of these sawtooths. I'd love to tell you it was uphill, but it wasn't. It was just sawtooth. And this is one of those peak, uh, valleys in the sawtooth relationship. I'm up on the out in the front stoop of the house. I'm crying out aloud to God, God, when are you going to fix her? Notice the pronoun. And I heard God just as clearly as I can hear Becky say, Harvey, she's not the problem, you are. And I instinctively respond, I could have gone all day, it was three o'clock in the morning, I could have gone all day without hearing that. And I heard him say, but you asked the question. <laughs> and I realized I had some serious work to do. And our marriage improved dramatically, gradually after that. Now, that was an answer to prayer. It was, just wasn't what I wanted. I'm so glad you brought that story up. I've had a similar experience where I was praying, praying, praying. It was my first marriage. And I was a prayer warrior. I was reading every book on prayer at that time. And God just wasn't answering the prayers. And it came a time where I actually had to call the police and I remember my home was surrounded by a SWAT team. And uh, I was in fear for my life. I was concerned about my children. And uh, I remember being ushered out by uh, one of the SWAT team members, rifles all drawn, me screaming, please save my kids. And I remember there just hiding behind a squad car behind a wheel. God, where are you? Please save my kids. Fast forward, 
because I want to relate to what you just said, Harvey. I was so angry. I never wanted to enter a church again. God had failed me. Because I had had a personal relationship, I thought, with Jesus, I X'd him out of the picture and I said, okay, I'll just stick with God. And I'll just like, okay, I have to pray over my children because I still have two. <laughs> but I just did not want anything to do with this personal God. And what's so wonderful is God had answered my prayers. He had protected us because I didn't know until years, years later that my first spouse had suffered from an incurable disease, a mental disease, a schizophrenia. So what had tripped me up in my lack of understanding and faith in God, that God knew the best for us, had actually been shrouded in protection. And so sometimes, you know, we get in the way of ourselves. Like you were saying, it's all about me. Rosie, the, Rosie, the pain of your story is so palpable. It's so real. But God was there nonetheless. Absolutely. Thank you, Rosie, for being vulnerable again. And that is an extraordinary story. Um, question, where... Where does God go when it hurts? Where does he go when we're broken? What happens to him when we feel this abandonment, this barrenness, say, a barren, dry period in, in our relationship with God? Have any of you experienced that? Um, I know I have. Barren, dry period. Where, where is he? Um, is it a feeling? Is, is the experiencing God a feeling that um, we have this presence around us? I would say no. I mean, that's my answer. I don't know what you would say, Brad, but I don't think the experience of God is necessarily a feeling. It's a belief. It's a conscious acceptance of faith that he is there, he's not gone anywhere. I think it's just unique for each one of us. Um, sometimes it's a knowing. Sometimes it is more academic. Uh, and sometimes it's a very heart-centered feeling. So I can't say it's prescriptive in my life because it's been so very different each time. But it's unequivocally God. That I can say and know. Um, I would have to say that my experience that God has been a lot like a marriage. And uh, one of the most interesting weekends ever spent was in a, a marriage retreat or a marriage seminar. And the, the one thing I came out of that weekend retreat was is that marriage is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. And we actually had a little heart that with the magnet that got put on our refrigerator. And I think it's really the same thing with God. It's just not a feeling. I mean, you may have get some good feelings out of it. I would sure hope so. But at the same time, when you're really trying to have an experience with God and you read Blackaby's book, it's about making a commitment. And I, I'll be so bold to say that commitment is time. 
You know, if you're going to really truly have an experience with God, you're going to have to make the time. What's the most important thing of your day? Look at the hours that you spend. Look at the waking hours you spend. And quite frankly, how many of those minutes or hours are God's tells everybody of your commitment. And so my, my encouragement to anybody there is that if you don't have a life or your, your relationship with God not where you want it, try spending more time. That right off the bat, and, and that right time, you know, we can talk about which time is the best time too, but, but, you know, it's different for different people, but that time is so important, and that's where the commitment comes, committing that time, so. I appreciate your analogy to, mar to marriage, and those of us that are married understand um, also the time, consistency, commitment, it is a lifelong task, let's face it. This is not instantaneous. It's a lifelong task. It's a lifelong journey to growth in spiritual maturity. You were going to say something, Rosa. We've had this wonderful conversation before, I know, with Harvey. Sometimes we are committed. Sometimes we spend a lot of time, and we end up thinking that we're justified to think, to cast judgment around us. And so there's, I think there's another element to that, and I'd love for Harvey for you to share those moments in time where we've been so in the Word, we thought we knew what it was, but we never had put the Holy Spirit in front of us and the other person. Could you speak to that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Rosie. <clears throat> I want to, as you suggested, add something to the time, and I'm going to go to faith for a moment. And I'm going to give you a prag my pragmatic definition of faith. Faith is acting. Notice it's a verb. It's acting as if what I believe is true is true. Now, I told you I grew up with committed Christian parents. It didn't take as such, but I knew they trusted God by the way they lived. And I grew up with that. And so at my darkest time, when I was to pray to God, something deep within me said, God is still present. It was sometimes quiet. Sometimes it was the middle of the night. Sometimes it took days for me to hear that, but it was there. And because of your interest in parenting, I want to emphasize that. And as because it was there, I would spend the time, and the two go together. Time builds faith. Faith requires time. The two go together. And out of that emerges love. Because as I began to see what God was doing, my heart opened up in response. And so I want to come back to how do we do this? You start doing what God is telling you to do. Spend time. Read his word. Where? Start with Psalms. I didn't like Psalms. I finally, out of desperation, read it. And read it every month for three and a half years. And I, my life changed by that. Psalms, I love the Psalms because they can become prayers, right? So many Psalms are prayers. And we can make them our own, it's easy to do. By the way, just a little side, in your program, there are some beautiful prayers for each um, each session that we have, some beautiful, beautiful prayers. Make those your prayers. 
Um, Becky, thank yes. you so much for bringing that. I remember, and you just brought me back to this point, both of you, Harvey and, and Becky, when I did eventually return back to God, it was literally, God is so humorous, at a prayer conference. <laughs> and I had swore to God I would never, ever get back into a church. Uh, ladies' evangelistic meeting may be okay. So I was invited to play the piano there, and I had no idea what the conference was going to be about, but it was prayer, the very thing that I had been angry about. And I think, oh, dear, I've committed to three days. You know, I, there's no way to get out of this. But there was a lady who taught me the discipline of prayer who spoke about her discipline. She started with Psalms. She said, you may not have your ready prayers now or, or think you're, you're qualified to even pray appropriately to get answers, but start with Psalms, then read some Proverbs and journal, and that was it. For a year, Psalms, Proverbs, journal, Psalms, Proverbs, journal. And in those dots, those pages, I would go back and review and go, oh my, my prayers are being answered. And it did teach me the discipline of realizing that God is there every day. Amen. Thank you. Um, so getting back to prayer, how much time, let's see, how much time should we spend praying, talking, versus listening. And in addition to that, what you brought up was uh, psalms, you brought up journaling, you brought up um, proverbs. Sometimes we don't have words, so those can become our prayers. Sometimes I find writing prayers an easier way for me to express myself, just writing them out. So variety, changing it up maybe, um, yeah, but the prayer and the listening, the speaking and the listening. Go ahead, Brad. I think you were going to well, say something. I, I had a hard time when I was little reading that King James Version. That was very difficult to understand. Then they came out with the Living Bible. Remember that green Living Bible? And that yes. was much easier to read. Yes. And then somewhere along the way, in my side, that maybe reading the Bible through, all the way through, is a good idea. And so I tried reading different versions. So it came down to the point where every year I'd be looking and ordering a different version of the Bible and reading that Bible through. And that has been a wonderful thing in my life is to read the Bible through every year, but try different versions because you get different flavors. And, and, and instead of journaling, I keep a little three by five card right handy because all of a sudden one of these days you're going to get a special verse. And, and I, I, my last special verse I'll share with you right now, it was uh, something I wouldn't have guessed, and it's out of the Old Testament in the Torah. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his mercy and grant you his peace. Well, that I thought was wonderful, and I wrote it down. Turns out that that's the ironic blessing, and that was one of the biggest things the Jews do all the time, that and the Shema. And that's another wonderful verse. So as you go through and read your Bible, and that, as far as I'm concerned, is an integral part of Absolutely. your, you know. Absolutely. You know, relationship with God is reading your Bible. Yeah. And, and then when you read the Bible, I mean, on the prayer team, we get lots and lots. Your prayer requests are prayed for. I want you to know that. 
The prayer requests come in. They come in on our email. They take pictures of them. So all the prayer team prays on all those prayer requests. So we are big in intercessory prayer, too. And that's where I like that ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And so that's a large part. And so when you do pray those prayers, you're, you're asking God for something, and you rarely hear the answers. I like to get the answers. So when people actually follow up and say, by the way, here's what happened, we really like that. So please, if you're going to do a prayer request also, tell us what happened because it's nice to know. Exactly. And um, just to segue on what you were saying, the blessings, there are so many blessings that God speaks to us through those blessings, and many of them are in the Torah. And uh, thank you so much for that. I just love that blessing too. Harvey, please. Yes, I want to go back a little bit because I'm still with those who may be having troubles. And I want to make a statement that I've learned. It is safe to be angry at God. God is the only person on this planet, not on this planet, that we can communicate with. It is safe to be angry at because God will never retaliate. Amen. He knows you're angry. So tell him, God, am I angry at you? And you may use coarser language than that. It does not turn God off. Second thing, a very, very close and dear, precious person to me was having trouble with drugs. And he joined a particular 12-step program, had a sponsor called Rudy. May his name be blessed. And he started with the first step. And the second step, there is someone, a power greater than you, who can bring you order and peace. And he said, now, just a minute, I don't believe in God. He said, that's not a problem. Believe in Rudy's God. Rudy's God made him clean and sober. And he will make you clean and sober. For those of you who are having trouble with God, believe in the God of someone who is walking with God, and that God will answer you. You don't have to get his name right. You can say it any language you want. It doesn't matter. God is waiting to hear from you. And when that, your phone rings his phone, he is thrilled, and he will respond. Oh, wow, thank you so much, Harvey. I did receive a signal. Um, and so I please make a comment. Rosie, I know you've got your mic up and you're ready to speak. And then when you're finished, would you kindly say a prayer for us for closure here? Well, first of all, I want to thank all of us. We've had the chance and opportunity to study and pray together and wrestle with some of these things. I guess what I'd like to do is echo your sentiments to Harvey and all of us, that we come authentically as we are, imperfect. God is someone that I too can be very angry with, and he gets my authentic self, the colorful self, the one where that I wouldn't necessarily share with you all. But, and he gets it there live and it's safe. And time and time again, he's proven that he's trustworthy. Amen. And that comes from us just being able to say, God, I don't know what the next step is, but be there and I'm with you. Here I am, which is what we're talking about today. Um, Just... Thank you so much, all of you, for participating in this with together. It's been a a real joy. Um, Abiding, Jesus calls us to abide. John 15, over and over and over, the invitation to abide with him 
comes to us. I am so grateful for that. Amen. I cannot wait to fall at the feet of Jesus. Oh, me too. If there's anyone out there where you feel that answers are just not enough, there's Jesus. And we can completely, through the brokenness of our lives, imperfection of our lives, and some of us have been turned over, shook up, upside down, backwards and forwards, and we're imperfect. God is truly there, and it's these small little dots of just being with him on a daily basis, being in his word, where he starts to unfold these incredible miracles. And I, Amen. Amen. So I would love to invite everyone to pray at this time, and maybe sure. we can do something that we call popcorn prayer, where all of us can join in in prayer. What do you all right. Think? That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. I'll okay. start, and Harvey, if you could close the, the session here. Let's bow our heads. Dear kind Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are so great, that you answer prayers in a way that's beyond our imagination, dear Lord. And I ask for patience with us when we think we are right and we know exactly what that prayer answer should look like, feel like, be like, that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the plans you have made for our life and how everything connects so that in the end it is you that will be glorified and not anything we have done. Amen. And dear Lord, that is the true test of anything. Is God glorified in the end? And we want to be your humble hands and your feet. And please forgive us for our absolute shortcomings every day, our inability to right wrongs perfectly, our inability to say the right things sometimes. But before we sit there, dear Lord, and think that we're completely unqualified, you know you put the Holy Spirit in front of us to qualify our mess so that it becomes your message. And we pray, dear Lord, today that you take us wherever we are in humility and work your good works for your glory. Amen. Amen. Father, you seem to be so thrilled to hear us pray to you, so thrilled to answer prayers in a way that shows your love and documents your wisdom. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone with, who hears my voice who doesn't know your joy in answering their prayer, they will give you a chance. Yes. Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for these prayer conferences and the fact that we can come together and we can learn something that's going to help improve our relationship with you. We ask that you will send your Holy Spirit so that he will impress our hearts with that little piece that we need to hear. We may not want to hear it, but Lord, you want us to hear it. So please help us to be listening to that still small voice. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, that you call us through your Son, Jesus, to abide with you. We have been called. That's how you call us. And we gladly follow on this up-and-down journey. And uh, thank you that you are with us in the valleys and the peaks. Go with us throughout the remainder of this Sabbath and the remainder of the conference, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.
We're, looks like we have three more minutes on the clock, or I'm not sure, but we certainly are happy that you've joined us. I know, Becky, do you have the prayer line number for those of uh, the it's audience? Actually, absolutely, to? and in the program, um, there is a page that has some of the different prayer options that are available. And actually, that number is in the program, the 7 a.m., and it's in the church bulletin as well. We would love to have you join us um, on the 7 a.m. prayer line. Also, we have a prayer room, room number 102, and it's on the south end of our campus that you inquire about for those of you who want to just go and quietly and pray and feel the need uh, to just step out, maybe be in between some of the services. Um, so uh, always uh, check and there's always an answer to your prayers or someone who can pray with you. And there's always people there, right, Rosie? There's always people. This is a church that has people that are praying for you constantly. And thank you so much. This is why we have lay leaders leading and teaching us because they actually finish not on time. They finish early. You get a bunch of preachers out there. We'd be here till noon. So can you join me in giving a hand to our wonderful panelists? Thank you so much for reminding us that our journey here is about trying to bring people closer to a God that is present, even if that God isn't always our God, as Harvey shared. Friends, thank you so much. We have a bunch of more activities for you. If you've come to first service, you can go have lunch. We'll see you at four. If you're waiting for second service, make yourself comfortable. We've got a great program. If you're cold, Sorry, I can't do anything about the temperature in here. Go outside and warm yourselves up with the sun. Have a great rest of the prayer conference, and may God continue to bless you.